Voice of Islam Radio. The Contemporary Age, an age of reform and revolution, a time where the geopolitical outline of the world has transformed drastically within a scale of a few years. From the formation of countries and states to the continuous regime changes and revolts in the name of the establishment of democratic values, what are the principles upon which the basis of governance and socio-economics should be laid? Does Islam really have the answer to the economical unrest in the world? Read the economic system of Islam by Hazrat Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmoud Ahmed Razila the promised reformer and the second successor of the promised Messiah, Alayhi You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the ever-merciful. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Today is the is Monday, the 7th of November 2022. The time is 7.04 a.m. And you're listening to your host, Daniel Zia, live from the breakfast studios um, in, uh, uh, in Voice of Islam uh, from South London. Uh, as is the norm, we will bring two topics uh, to you today. The first topic is about uh, e-waste and what is the impact of e-waste um, or electronic waste. And the uh, second topic is about um, uh, some research that has recently been conducted uh, around the um, effects on mental health um, of the pandemic. So we shall talk about that from A15 onwards. And the first topic that um, uh, we shall discuss, as I uh, mentioned, is e-waste, which uh, we will start at um, around 7.30 a.m. So those are the two topics um, of the day. Please do join in these discussions by calling us at 0208-687-7878. Starting off with the headlines appearing in the newspapers today, so the developments at uh, COP27 climate summit in Egypt are the focus of uh, several 
papers today. The Daily Telegraph says Britain has opened the door to paying climate change reparations to developing countries by supporting talks on the issue. A number of nations are pushing for compensation from richer countries responsible for most of the world's pollution, it says. The Daily Mail leads on the same topic, reporting Shadow Climate Secretary Ed Miliband's call for UK to spend more on tackling climate change disasters abroad and criticism of his comments by some Tory MPs. The Guardian reports analysis some suggesting that US and UK are failing in their commitment to provide their fair share of funding to curb climate change in poor countries to the tune of billions of pounds. The Financial Times says US wants to encourage the world's largest companies to help developing countries cut their use of fossil fuels through a new carbon credit scheme. The plans will be unveiled at COP27, says the paper. The Times says the government is in line to spend almost half of the foreign aid budget in Britain as it grapples with the arrival of migrants in small boats and the Ukraine crisis. Matt Hancock is letting down votes. Uh, is letting down waters with his I Am a Celebrity reality TV show appearance, the Prime Minister tells The Sun. The Prime Minister says he's he was very disappointed by the former Tory Health Secretary's move. The Daily Star's front page also takes aim at Matt Hancock, claiming he has um, he had has his uh, contract on reality TV show Celebrity. I'm a, ce- I'm a Celebrity changed so he could appear in, um, uh, in the show... In the show Celeb, I'm a Celebrity Jungle and secure a £400,000 fee. Keeping triple lock protection for pensions is a matter of Tory principle. Three former ministers tell the Daily Express ahead of the autumn budget. It reports that they have urged Rishi Sunak to keep the payment increases in place for government uh, or the government will risk losing the grey vote. And finally, the I newspaper turns its attention to the potential nurses' strike with planned action ahead of Christmas set to make it the biggest in the occupation's history. The paper reports that around 300,000 nurses are thought to have voted in favour of industrial action, which will trigger the postponement of non-urgent operations and extend wait for Andy. So those are the headlines bearing in the newspapers this morning. A reminder of the two topics we shall be talking about. So the first is e-waste. What is the impact of e-waste? And then we shall talk about the impact of pandemic on mental health and, and uh, a study that has been conducted around that in 30 countries and what are the results and we shall discuss those. Please do do join in these discussions by calling us at 0208-687-7878. You can also tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. We shall now take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, we shall continue to talk about uh, what's appearing in uh, the newspapers today before uh, we move on to the first topic of e-waste at 7.30 a.m. Please do stay tuned. Allah, 
أشهد أن محمدا listening to the voice of islam radio azrat mirza mazrur ahmed is the present head of the ahmadiyya muslim community the most dynamic international community within islam the community was established by hazrat mirza khulam ahmed in kardian a small and remote village in India. He claimed to be the expected reformer of the latter days, the one awaited by all major world religions. Founded in 1889, the community has continued to spread throughout the world, flourishing under caliphate, the system of spiritual leadership established after the demise of the holy founder. The current successor of this movement, Hazrat Mirza Mazrur Ahmed, continues the work of the holy founder to revive the spiritual and moral state of mankind. The movement embodies the benevolent message of Islam and its pristine purity, a movement that preaches peace, universal brotherhood, and submission to the will of God. Ahmadi Muslims have earned the distinction and reputation of being a law-abiding and peaceful community. Within a century, the movement has reached all the corners of the earth and has been recognized and praised by the global community. Your interpretation of jihad has always been in stark contrast to the extremist imams that we all deplore. We especially applaud His Holiness for denouncing those who pervert faith by claiming it as a justification for violence. However we define God, it is wrong to kill in His name. I have enormous admiration and respect for the work that the Ahmadiyya Muslim community are doing throughout the world to promote peace and understanding, not just by words, but by an example of a way of life, an example of impeccable conduct, and an example of undeniable faith in God Almighty, and an example of peace and tolerance. I only wish that more people could be here today to see this face of Islam, to understand this community's expression of that great religion, and I hope that for the future you will be recognized as the face of Islam, of love, of tolerance, of brotherhood and friendship. The work that you do in the community contributes every day towards that. Let us hope that everyone else's eyes are opened to the truth, to the justice, and to the compassion that you bring to our society. His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, the present head of the community, continues in his effort to unite people from all faiths and cultures by promoting interfaith dialogue and religious freedom. He has traveled extensively to spread the message of peace and to remind everyone to respect the rights of other human beings. During these tours, His Holiness has met world leaders from the Far East to Europe, from North America to Africa, discussing the economic, social and political problems facing the world today and how to create peace and justice in the world. He has also met religious and community leaders in order to share common values and core ideals universal to all religions and cultures 
with a view to improving the moral state of mankind and creating an atmosphere of love and affection. From young to old, he compassionately listens to the ordinary man, regardless of race, color, or religion. He has personally initiated social projects and schemes to alleviate poverty and human suffering. His concern is not just about the well-being and moral state of the members of the Ahmadiyya community, but of the great human suffering of mankind at large. The Ahmadiyya community knows only that Islam, which is the Islam of love and affection, offers a real message of peace and security. It is a pleasure to be associated with an organization, with a religion that says love for all, hate for none. And I think if we reflect on that, really that is what we all ought to be doing in the world today. The Ahmadiyya movement in Islam has been a leader in promoting peace and partnership between communities. Established in 190 countries, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community continues to preach a message of peace and tolerance even in parts of the world that persecute them for their beliefs. But this should, ladies and gentlemen, come as a surprise to no one, to anyone who knows this community. Ahmadis are renowned throughout the world for their devotion to peace, universal brotherhood and the will of God, the core principles of true Islam. Uh, all of us, whatever our political persuasions, hugely admire the work of um, the Ahmadiyya community here in the United Kingdom as we do across the world. ये चीजें जड़ियाँ हैं इन अनु दूर करन तोड़े जी सानु थोड़ी जी आशा नजर आ दी है कि ये तोड़े वर्गे लोग अगे आके ये जड़ियाँ दिलादी दूरी हो गई है और उनको टास सकते हैं। And you are also a beacon because you teach all of us that we will find the solutions to the problems of today through a rediscovery of the spiritual side of our lives as well as the material side. Let us make a resolution. Let us make this resolution to promote the message of peace and brotherhood, which is your message to mankind, that people of different religions should not quarrel and fight with each other, but should accept and tolerate and live together in that spirit of brotherhood and peace, which is the essence of your religion. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. My peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Welcome back to this live edition of the Breakfast Show from South London Studios of Voice of Islam. We are still talking about the headlines appearing in the newspapers uh, this morning. Um, Imam Shahzeb, anything that interested you this morning? Yeah, there's a lot happening. Um, I'm sure our listeners will be aware of the the COP27, is it now? And um, the various other activities abroad in America, especially with the midterms um, coming up imminently. 
President Joe Biden and ex-President Donald Trump uh, held dueling rallies as the election reshaped Congress entered its final campaign day. Um, the momentum has shifted recently towards Republicans who are trying to wrestle both chambers from Democratic control. And they are favorites to win control of the House of Representatives. The Senate is a toss-up um, polling. That's what polling suggests, nonetheless. And with the campaign in its final day on Monday, his party is braced for losses, uh, even in parts of the country where Democrats usually do well. He spoke at a rally in New York on Sunday to support Governor Kathy Hochul, who is fending off an unexpectedly stiff challenge from Trump-backed Republican candidate Lee Zeldin. She has received last minute help from some Democratic star names, the former President Bill Clinton, the Vice President Kamala Harris, and the former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. In his speech, Mr. Biden called the election an inflection point that will determine the next 20 years. And he told voters at Sarah Lawrence College that they are choosing between two fundamentally different visions of America. Meanwhile, these predecessor in the White House, Mr. Trump, was in Miami, where he spoke for over an hour, hammering Democrats for leading the country towards communism. Democrats want to turn America into communist, Cuba, a socialist, Venezuela, Mr. Trump told the audience members. And to every Hispanic American in Florida and across the land, we welcome you with open, open, open arms to our Republican Party, he continued. And so, in essence, the poll suggests that the Democrats are likely to lose the majority in the House of Representatives. Um, and the control of the Senate will probably rely on the results of the extremely tight races in Pennsylvania, uh, Georgia, and Nevada. Over 40 million votes have already been cast during the early voting period so far. Um, and that's, you know, that's been said to have overtaken the total number of early votes in 2018. And today, being the last day of campaigning, Mr. Biden will appear at a rally in Maryland. Mr. Trump is holding an evening rally in Ohio. And the First Lady, Jill Biden, is heading to Virginia to support incumbent Congresswoman Jennifer Wexton. And lastly, Republican Governor uh, Don DeSantis is considered to be a possible Trump White House rival in 2024. He's in Miami. So, you know, we'll see what happens in the country that is America and um, you know they're saying there is a power shift so only time will tell I guess in other news um, millions have seen less than a hundred pounds of savings uh, as the energy prices soar the BBC reports here that a lack of a financial safety net means many have to borrow money to cover any extra costs, and this is creating great uh, anxiety about their plight. One mother told the BBC she was scared of being judged, so did not seek any help. The Money and Pension Services, which conducted the research, said such fears could be overcome with family help. And debt advisors are expecting a sharp increase in inquiries over the winter as people struggle to fund higher food and energy bills with little to fall back on. This leads to suggest 
The survey suggests over 3,000 people found that 17% or one in six of those asked uh, help, uh, asked nothing um, and have nothing in help. And another 5% had less than £50. And a further 4% had between £50 to £100 set aside. If those figures reflect the UK as a whole, then millions of people will have little or nothing as a savings buffer. And among them is Kylie, a mother of six, who faced difficulties that left her failing to pay critical and priority bills. She just about managed to pay her rent to keep a roof over her family's head, but was behind on many other payments. The 31-year-old said some of the most aggressive debt collection left her children frightened and her finances were in a mess. The energy provider told her to seek help from a debt charity, but she said she was too scared to do so. And she said, I felt like I would be judged and looked down on. And when she did eventually seek help, the advisers were kind and helpful, and she said, and crucially told her about the various hardship funds and grants that were available to her. And she came to an arrangement with her creditors, so she pays back a more affordable amount each month, and she recently managed to save £40 for the first time in a year. So this is perhaps one story of many um, families across the country, up and down the country. Um, and it's, you know, the winter's just really started, if we're you know, brutally honest. We're in the early days of November, and we have a, a tough old period in front of us. Um, and we hope and pray that everybody that is going through a tough period or, you know, that sees themselves going through that period um, is being given relief of, you know, all kinds. In sort of this last segment, um, there's the, of course, notorious and infamous war in Ukraine, whereby agony of not knowing um, as Mariupol mass burial sites grow. More than 1,500 new graves have been dug into mass burial sites near the southern Ukrainian city of Mariupol. The sites northwest of the city consists of a large field of graves that Ukrainian officials and witnesses say contains thousands of bodies. Mariupol, a port city close to the border with Russia, was a major strategic target for the Russians. From the start of the war, it was pounded relentlessly from the air and from the ground. By the time it fell to the Russians in May, thousands of civilians had died and much of the city had been destroyed. Recent satellite images from Maxcar show that the three mass burial sites near Mariupol located at Staria, Krim, Manhush and Vodhondra have been steadily growing since the spring. Ukrainian officials now believe that at least 25,000 people were killed in the fighting in Mariupol and that between five to 7,000 of them died under the rubble after their homes were bombed. So it's a very unfortunate state and, um, you know, again, we hope and pray that the situation uh, in Ukraine doesn't certainly improve because it's not only having a dramatic impact on its civilians, but also um, on the rest of the world. Um, and, you know, this is very much so uh, alarming and indeed frightening um, as to where this where this war will end and how long it will take to end. Right. Um, 
Turning to sports then, so there's oh, yes. the T20 World Cup, Cricket World Some Cup. Some good news. That uh, is uh, is going on, depending on which side you're on, actually. Oh, that's true. Uh, Race objective. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes, good news certainly for uh, for England, who are in the, in the semifinals, and the other three uh, countries which made it uh, to the semifinals are New Zealand, India and Pakistan. So India is going to play England and uh, Pakistan is uh, supposed to play New Zealand on Wednesday and Thursday uh, before the final is played on Sunday. Where where do you put your sort of money? Um, I think it's... um, yeah, I would I, w- I would think India are favourites to win the um, the semi their semi final against uh, England. Mm-hmm. I don't think England has has been able to really turn up in the manner that they usually do. Probably the conditions haven't suited them. I, th- I yeah. don't know. Um, all the pitches have started to become uh, slightly more docile there be- mm-hmm. as the, you know things warm up in Australia now. But um, uh, they they haven't really been uh, been able to show the aggressive style as they. Uh, as they usually do, and haven't been put up, uh, been able to put up uh, big totals. They've also had a loss to Ireland, which was a shock loss. Oh yeah, as well during the uh, Super 12 stage. So yeah, I would, I think the the balance probably is uh, in India's favor in uh, in that match, and uh, in the other match, uh, again, I think if you look at uh, history, I think uh, Pakistan seems to be peaking at the at the right time. Uh, uh, they started by losing two uh, two matches, two important matches. Uh, the first one, the most important against India, mm. and uh, and uh, and and both of their losses were actually last ball losses. So, uh, no, so they true. didn't lose by you know a huge margin. And uh, the other thing is that uh, before coming to England, uh, uh, sorry, before coming to Australia, they played a series, uh, a tri series with New Zealand in New Zealand uh, against New Zealand and Bangladesh and they won that series mm. so that I think also puts them probably um, in slightly better situation uh, position uh, vis-a-vis New Zealand so yeah that mm. would be my guess so I think um, Pakistan's playing New Zealand on Wednesday yeah. uh, I'm not sure when England are playing but in any case you know we'll find Adelaide oh okay in Adelaide um, but in any case we'll find out very soon and yeah, very interesting because I think this is some form of a record actually that the Pakistan team has broken by being in the semi-finals six times in a row. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's unbelievable how the um, the odds have changed so quickly and dramatically. Whereby, Pakistan well, it changed on the last day. Absolutely. The last day, the last day. You're right, exactly. And who would have thought that South Africa could lose exactly. against Netherlands? Absolutely, you know, such a. Um, well, there have been quite a few upsets. Um, I think that sh- shows you the nature of uh, T20 cricket as mm. well. It's so volatile; it can change so quickly, and that the uh, the difference between various teams is not huge now, because you know it's just 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 a twenty over match at the end of the day. Yeah, so and if you haven't got that big toll to, then you're going to struggle. Um, so yeah, it's very volatile. You're you're correct. That's why there's a lot of viewership too, mm. because of the uncertainty. Um, because of the drama that then because of the drama creates, exactly yeah. um, and just very quickly before we do in this new segment the World Cup is coming the Football World Cup yes and there's been a lot of backlash um, that the Qataris are facing because of various human rights that have um, not been uh, given to the migrant workers there and um it's. Um, I think the foreign foreign minister came out yesterday um, with a very stark statement. Um, you know, sort of negating any um, inappropriate 
inappropriateness and indeed negating any form of mistreatment. Um, so that has been quite, um, that's been overshadowing the World Cup or the build-up to the World Cup in any case. This whole conversation of, you know, the migrants who have built the stadiums, the various um, locations where the World Cup will be hosted. Um, and I think now they've sort of come up with a more of a forceful response whereby before it was just very or sort of coated in kindness and politeness their responses that is um, so we'll see what happened in the World Cup in any case um, this is just uh, you know politics if you want um, but the main thing is the football and as always you know our hopes dreams and desires are tied with England and we hope that you know we advance um, is it coming home? Is it coming home is a question. And more importantly, who's in our group? That's what we want to know. So, in England's group, which is Group B, our first match is on the 21st of November, and it's against Iran. Then we've got the USA on the 25th of November, so four days later. And then uh, four days later again, we've got Wales. So, I mean... Just from the outset, it looks pretty achievable, dare I say. Um, but again, only time will not tell us what truly happens. Um, and indeed, you know, we hope to be, at least achieve the quarterfinals. Right. We have a very robust team. There's yes. no denying that. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Okay. Um, Let's uh, pause there and uh, take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, let's delve into the first topic, which is about e-waste and w the impact of e-waste. So um, a lot of discussion on that uh, right after this short break. Please do join in by calling us at 0208-687-7878. You can also tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. of Islam Radio. Yusuf, 
on whom be peace, mentions God's favors by virtue of his attribute of Al-Latif, the benignant, by recalling how God was his friend, while his brothers conspired against him. According to the lexicon, Latif is a kind of gracious being, one who is benevolent to his creation, as well as one who is aware of all subtle and incomprehensible matters. Al-Latif is one who illuminates hearts, who makes arrangements for physical and spiritual nourishment, and who offers his friendship to his servants during times of tribulation. The promised Messiah on whom be peace said that sight, intellect, and consciousness cannot reach God. It is impossible to try and see him. He is Al-Latif. He is unseen and illuminates the person he reaches to such an extent that the person speaks for him, a divine honor mostly granted upon the prophets of God. God is the knower of all subtleties and is all aware. He is of those who seek him and raises prophets to be their guide to him. His light is manifested through his prophets as they spread the light of unity of God all around them. Among all the prophets of God, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, disseminated this light the most. For it was he who had the most perfect perception of God, and it was he who was completely imbued in the colors of God. In the current age, because of his perfect and complete devotion, and subservience to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. God has granted this distinct honor to the promised Messiah on whom be peace. It is the attribute of Al-Latif that makes God the friend of his servants in all trials and tribulations. Just as the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, continuously prayed for the reformation of his Ummah as well as his opponents, as only Al-Latif can be the guidance and reformation. Al-Latif is the supporter of the victim, the voice of the oppressed. Al-Latif is that companion whose loyalty never fails to astound. It is he who fills hearts with his magnificent light. Then should we not be grateful for the mercy of Al-Latif? You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Oh, welcome back to the live edition of Voice of Islam. Um, in this our first segment, we will discuss about e-waste and what are the impacts of e-waste. So the gist of the story is uh, the International Waste uh, Electrical and Electronic Equipment Forum has said that, that this year 
uh, 5.3 billion mobile phones will be thrown away. Uh, this date highlights the growing environmental problem. So, there are uh, an estimated 16 billion mobile <coughs> phones worldwide and in Europe almost a third are no longer in use. The International Waste, Electrical and Electronic Equipment WEEE forum found that 5.3 billion mobile phones will be thrown out. Less than 20% of the um, electronic waste is recycled. Rather than recycling them, many actually keep their old phones and uh, research suggests that uh, previous minerals that can be extracted from waste electronics such as the copper in wire or the cobalt in uh, rechargeable batteries uh, have to be mined instead. Uh, WEEE Director General uh, Pascal Leroy said um, people tend not to realize that all of these seemingly insignificant items um, have a lot of value and together at a global level represent massive volumes. Providing collection boxes in supermarkets, pickup uh, pick of uh, small broken appliances upon delivery of new ones and offering P.O. boxes um, to return small e-waste are just some of the initiatives introduced to encourage the return of these items. Right. Uh, let's bring in um, uh, Fiona Deer into the discussion now. Um, Fiona is co-director at the Restart Project, which aims to keep our electronics in use for longer through repair and, ye- and, and reuse. Uh, Aslam alaikum. Peace be with you. Warm welcome to The Breakfast Show. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. Well, th- thank you very much for joining us, Fiona. So, uh, yeah. So, is the Restart Project about uh, using repair um, goods, repaired goods? Yeah. Yeah. As much as possible. It's about um, uh, recycling. Recycling is very important, but we think that often a lot more use can be got out of electronics um, mm. before before they're thrown away. So we and we know that people kind of would like to repair their stuff, but they don't often know how and they don't know where. So we try and help them do that. So is is that all you do uh, in terms of connecting you know, various parties or do you actually help them repair something as well? Yeah, so we run we run a, a number of programs. So um, the, the the first thing we done we do that we've all, that we've always done since we started ten years ago um, is we run a network of what we call restart parties, and they're events where um, there are volunteer fixers, uh, but who are who are really, who are really expert in in, in fixing el- electronics, and they uh, you can bring your broken device or or appliance um, along, and they will help you fix it. They um, so you get to be involved in it and you get to learn how to fix it while you're there. Um, so, so there's now um, there's, there's a, a network of, of, event, of groups like that in London um, and, and that's growing and more and more uh, groups are coming, coming along, along all the time. But then what we've started adding in uh, this year is that we've got some, we've opened up some fixing factories. So they're, hmm. they're fixed spaces. There's one in, on a Camden High Street. There's one in a waste facility in Brent. And, and that's where kind of there's a bit more people can drop uh, things off and then we'll fix them and then either sell them at low cost, give them back to the person who, who dropped them off or donate them to people who, who don't have access to uh, the Internet, for example. One of the issues, Fiona, with repairing um, stuff uh, here is that repairs can be expensive, sometimes even more expensive than, you know, getting uh, the thing replaced. How do you manage that challenge? 
Well, first of all, so the restart, the restart parties, as I mentioned, you don't have to pay for those. You can just go. So it's a really good option for somebody who's who's struggling with costs. And, mm. and actually, especially if people, if something breaks and they can't afford to replace it, which might be what they normally do, they can go along to a restart party and, and get help for free. Um, there's also... Um, we, we, we also campaign to bring down the cost of repair and we think that the government should be doing things like um, removing VAT hmm. uh, because we know it's a massive barrier. Right. And, and what sort of um, um, instruments uh, uh, can be repaired at this moment uh, uh, through your services? Well, that, um, it's generally small appliances if you can carry it. Uh, then, then it gets brought along. It could be anything. People bring along coffee machines. Right. People bring along electric flossers. Um, lots of laptops come in um, and phones. And it, it's, it sort of differs every time you come. Someone brought a fountain, and you know, a garden fountain along to the last one that I was at. <laughs> so it's so it's really an, a, a, anything, and and it's it's done by people who just love fixing. So they love the challenge of kind of right. Um, they they never know what's going to come. Got a few geeks they have there, the right? <laughs> exactly, they love it. They love it. <laughs> Excellent. That's that's awesome. And yeah. in recent years, Fiona, uh, research has revealed that 5.3 billion phones will be thrown away um, in 2022 alone. What is the impact of e-waste? Uh, well, it's huge. Uh, e-waste is the fastest growing waste stream, and it's 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 um, accelerating so so quickly. So over 50 million tons of e-waste are produced each year. It's probably much more now, and that's more than the Great Wall of China. So if you If, if you imagine how much e-waste that is, and that's every year, it's not just, it's not the, how much we've got right now. Um, and so that has a, a big impact. Less than 20% of it is recycled. So think of all of that waste, all of those really precious resources that are in there. There's, there's a huge amount of gold. There's more gold in our, in our landfill sites than there, than there are in the mines, but it's just hard to get it. Um, and then it's not just gold. There's other um, components um, materials like lithium which is going to be crucial for the green energy revolution it's going to be crucial for electric car batteries wind turbines and it's all just being wasted it also has an impact because because there are toxic um, minerals in there too like mercury which then leach into the local um, environment and that's dangerous for people and for wildlife so e-waste itself is a really big problem but the other reason that we um, the other impact of us kind of buying and throwing away electronics a lot is the amount of resource that goes into them in the first place so if you look at for example the carbon emissions of um of, of small electronics from cradle to grave um normally more than half of the carbon emissions in the entire life lifetime of that um uh device happens before it even gets into your hands and for things like laptops and smartphones 80 percent of the carbon emissions are before they get to you so so if we uh, if we kind of buy and throw away every every couple of years then that's a huge impact if we could stretch that out by repairing um our devices when they break then to if we could double that to four years it's going to make a it's going to make a really big difference and especially across uh across the uk across the uk if, across the world if everyone could keep their things in use for longer that would make a really big difference yeah and I, then, I, yeah go on No, I was, what I was, the, other, the last thing I was going to say is about your, the, 50, the 5.3 billion um, tons of uh, billion phones. A lot of those won't be thrown away. A lot of them will, will sit in our drawers. It's, I'm sure that everybody's got a, an old phone in their drawer. 
um, or a laptop or something. And and this, the the shame of that is that there are people that could use them. There are a lot of people in digital poverty that just don't have access to the internet and they need devices. So there are places that you can donate your old phones um, and laptops and they will be wiped and then given to somebody. So if you are going to replace your your, um, your phone, then please please donate it rather than just keeping it in your drawer. Yeah, no, I guess that sort of ties in with the last question we had was as to how all of us can really get involved um, in the repair and reviews of you know, their uh, electro- electronics um, before actually recycling them. And I guess it's sort of helping those people that uh, perhaps don't have the availability to these you know, devices, um, wherever they may be. Um, yeah. So, yeah, well, thank you so much, Fiona, for being with us this morning. And um, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you so much. Fiona Dia, co-director at the Restart Project, which aims to keep our electronics in use for longer. Um, wow, what a great service. I, mean, I know, it certainly is, and it's so true. You know, some of, great idea as well. It is, and so many of us have phones. You know, yeah, I was just thinking. Um, oh, yeah, so was I, yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> I certainly got a couple, and uh, exactly. actually I've got two laptops, uh, who just, uh, you know, old laptops lying around, lying you know, around somewhere on top of uh, one of the shelves and uh, never being used, so... Mm. Uh, absolutely, I think that's uh, that's a brilliant idea and something that uh, I think uh, uh, needs to be replicated. And the the idea about uh, uh, the government uh, uh, not charging VAT is also, I think, a good one. Mm. I think that this uh, this this needs to be encouraged. E-waste is is becoming a bigger and bigger problem. And uh, exactly with iPhones and you know phones in general being released year on year, um, exactly. what happens to the previous model? Exactly. Um, it's only going to increase. So. Mm. Needs to be tackled. Okay, great. Um, uh, let's take a quick break now, and uh, when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on uh, e-waste and what is the impact of e-waste. Please do join in by calling us at zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. The Promised Messiah, peace be on him, founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Islam, states Sin, which indeed is a poison, is born when a man is wanting in obedience to God and is empty of his love and his affectionate remembrance. The fate of a man whose heart has become cold to the love of God is like that of an uprooted tree, no longer capable of drawing the sap of life from the soil. As such, a tree gradually withers and dies. So like the dryness of the tree, sin overwhelms the heart. The remedy for this state of dryness, according to the law of nature, is of three types. Number one, love. Number two, istighfar, that is, seeking forgiveness of Allah. It literally means a desire to bury or to cover, reminding one that as long as the root of the tree is buried in the soil, it can hope to bring forth green foliage. Number three, the third remedy is tawbah, which means to turn towards God in all humility, drawing the sap of life and to bring oneself closer to him, 
to break loose with the help of righteous deeds from the enveloping cover of sinfulness. Tawbah cannot be achieved merely by word of mouth. In fact, Tawbah can be perfected only with the help of righteous deeds. All acts of goodness are aimed at achieving perfection of Tawbah. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Welcome back to this live edition of The Breakfast Show. We are uh, this morning talking about e-waste and the impact of uh, e-waste. And earlier on, um, we're talking to Fiona Deer, who is co-director at the Resort Project, which is um, an absolutely brilliant project. And we'd, uh, we would love to get involved ourselves as well as uh, encourage our listeners to get involved with that project. Uh, I... Um, and now have Mr. Scott Butler on um, on the line with us. He is the executive director of Material Focus. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be with you. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Butler. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Good morning. Um, please tell us about Material Focus. Sure. So we're uh, an organization who is a, a not-for-profit um, independent organization whose vision is a world in which materials are, are never wasted. And the area that we're focusing on specifically over the last couple of years has been uh, old and unwanted electricals, e-waste, and trying to raise the profile of the fact that anything with a plug, battery, or cable should always be recycled as a minimum, uh, and that they contain some of the most precious resources on the planet, and it just seems crazy that we're losing so many of them to kitchen bins and to black bin bags, uh, and we need to try and work together to, to stop that. Yeah, so Scott, in recent uh, research, it was revealed that uh, 5.3 billion phones would be thrown away in 2022 alone. So what is the impact of e-waste? It's, it's significant. It's more significant than I think we would first think it to be. So our research from, from the UK as part of our Recycle Your Electricals campaign mm-hmm. shows that at least over uh, 150,000 tons of old electricals are being thrown away every year by thrown away i mean going into kitchen bins and not being recycled a lot are being mm-hmm. recycled but, but not enough and we've also revealed that over 500 million unwanted bits of tech are sitting in people's homes and i think something that we all recognize if you just look around we've all got a drawer with some you know random cables in that we're, we're saving for some future date or some bit of tech that we think we may use in the future and if we're mm-hmm. honest we probably don't and within that are some of these precious materials gold aluminium steel copper mm-hmm. that you know if we mine instead of mining for new materials we've actually got this urban mine if you will all, all around us and we, we could put that to better use mm-hmm. yeah so can you tell us uh, a bit more about the campaigns you run and how does electrical recycling work sure so we are working with a number of people i, I greatly you had fiona from the restart project on a project we know well and 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 and, and look to support wherever we can. Uh, We work with community sector organizations, we work with local authorities, we're working uh, increasingly now with retailers trying to get the message out there. We have a a pink hypnotic cat who's our messenger for the general public who's hypnotizing the nation Mm. into recycling and reusing their electricals. So you may have seen him out and about or heard him on uh, the airwaves or or, or seen him through social media. And we're, we're just raising that profile but the priority for us as well is making it easier 
Um, so we built a, a postcode locator so if people search beside your electricals, pop in their postcode and they'll find their nearest option for donating, for repairing or for mm -hmm. recycling. And what we're trying to do is, is, is make recycling the minimum thing that we do with mm -hmm. our electricals. And then all this other work around reuse, donating, repair, we definitely support too. It's just making the baseline, you know, the, the basic thing that we do is recycle. And unfortunately at the moment, it's too often not the basic thing that everybody does. Yeah, excellent. So regarding awareness, so how important is it to raise awareness about, you know, recycling or donating electronics? Massively so. I mean, we are all bombarded with messages on a, you know, a minute by minute basis. Uh, uh, so it's very difficult to, 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 to cut through. And this is the, the electrical waste is the fastest growing waste stream in the world. And it, it's one of those things, you know, we just see the tech that we have in our pockets, in our bags, in our homes. You sort of suddenly becomes obvious when, when you realize that fact. So this issue is, is not going away. And it's one of those environmental issues that we can actually do something about. Sometimes you can feel a little bit helpless when we hear about, mm -hmm. you know, the bigger picture around climate change and, and, and what impact we can have with electricals and tech. We all use that tech on a daily basis. It gives us positive things. It helps our lives. It assists us in doing the things that we do. But equally, there's a responsibility from using that tech. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and let's make sure together that it's this one easy thing where you recycle your tech as you would recycle your paper, glass, or you know, food packaging. It's up there. It's a really important um, group of materials that we all recognize as being really valuable. And, and yes, it's, it's an ongoing mission to, to keep raising the profile of this very very important issue yeah so how is recycling you know gadgets beneficial for the environment and how helpful can be it uh, donating gadgets uh, to people who are who are in need uh, well it, it, environmentally it's very helpful so the carbon benefits the environmental benefits of recycling these materials rather than mining for new ones are significant you know mining is one of the most destructive mm -hmm. uh, you know uh, um, activities that the, the industry does in terms of, of, of land use or impact on, on the land. And in terms of the donating of, of, of the tech to those in, in, in need, we saw through the pandemic concerns about children having access to the right tech so that they could access education. Mm. The world is ever more digital now and people need access to digital services for health, for banking, for looking for jobs and just connecting with their friends and their families and their, their communities. And not everybody has access to that tech and lots of people have um, old smartphones or uh, lap uh, laptops or tablets that they're lucky enough not necessarily to need because they're able to afford an upgrade. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that others who, who have a real pressing and, and, and an urgent need for that. So, so donating of, of, of any sort of smart tech over the last that's two or three years old is, is, is a really positive act if someone can do that. And then also we've got it at the appliances end. So as long as, as well as the Restart Project, we work with another organization called the Reuse Network, which represents a number of community organizations. And their focus is all electrical, but tends to be more on the white mm. goods side of things. And it's just giving people access, helping people get access to reused, fully functioning fridges, washing machines, toasters and, and kettles. And the things that I know seem to be mm. the basics of, 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 of life here and, and, and are very important parts of people's you know, functioning in society. Mm -hmm, yeah. So for the benefit of, of our listeners, how can people, you know, get involved in donating their electronics? 
So if people search Recycle Your Electricals on Google or other search engines are available, uh, you will uh, know that you've landed in the right place. You can see a, a very bright pink cat and a, and, a, and a face telling you to recycle your electricals. And there you can pop in your code code and it will give you the nearest option for you to, 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 to donate, uh, repair or, or recycle. We're adding to that website all the time. And if any of your listeners are aware of um, options that are not on our website, then please reach out to us and we'll get them on there as well. So search Recycle Your Electricals, pop in your postcode, uh, bag up your electricals and recycle them when it's right to do so, and also tell your friends and your family and your community about this mm-hmm. as well and help us spread the message, please. All right. Thank you, Mr. Scott Butler. Um, thank you for your beneficial and productive uh, input. Uh, and hopefully see you next time. Some. And uh, that was Mr. Scott Butler. He is the Executive Director of Material Focus. Yeah, that's very informative uh, to listen to Mr. Butler about the, the importance that is um, making sure that we do recycle yeah. um, our gadgets and indeed the impact of e-waste, which is incredible. Um, you know, if any of us do have the um, opportunity to visit, you know, these uh, dumping grounds where, you know, there's heaps of garbage and rubbish and indeed um, in various other places you'll find this e-waste, you know, you'd be as astonished as to how much um, you know mess and indeed overall waste the humans do produce so it's very much so capping um, our usage and indeed making sure that you know we understand the impact and the various ramifications that our actions do indeed um, have upon you know this planet of ours but we are fast approaching the eight o'clock news <coughs> and um, after the eight o'clock news we'll continue with this segment and talk about the islamic perspective on the overall um environment and indeed how you know we indeed are the caretakers uh, but we'll go for a break and uh, we'll join you after the eight o'clock news Allah, Allah. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet. Azrat Mirza Majroo Ahmed is the present head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the most dynamic international community within Islam. The community was established by Hazrat Mirza Khulam Ahmed in Kardian, a small and remote village in India. He claimed to be the expected reformer of the latter days, the one awaited by all major world religions. Founded in 1889, the community has continued to spread throughout the world, flourishing under caliphate, the system of spiritual leadership established after the demise of the holy founder. The current successor of this movement, Hazrat Mirza Mazrur Ahmed, continues the work of the Holy Founder to revive the spiritual and moral state of mankind. The movement embodies the benevolent message of Islam and its pristine purity, a movement that preaches peace, universal brotherhood, and submission to the will of God. Ahmadi Muslims have earned the distinction and reputation of being a law-abiding and peaceful community. Within a century, 
the movement has reached all the corners of the earth and has been recognized and praised by the global community. Your interpretation of jihad has always been in stark contrast to the extremist imams that we all deplore. We especially applaud His Holiness for denouncing those who pervert faith by claiming it as a justification for violence. However we define God, it is wrong to kill in His name. I have enormous admiration and respect for the work that the Ahmadiyya Muslim community are doing throughout the world to promote peace and understanding, not just by words, but by an example of a way of life, an example of impeccable conduct, and an example of undeniable faith in God Almighty, and an example of peace and tolerance. I only wish that more people could be here today to see this face of Islam, to understand this community's expression of that great religion, and I hope that for the future you will be recognised as the face of Islam, of love, of tolerance, of brotherhood and friendship. The work that you do in the community contributes every day towards that. Let us hope that everyone else's eyes are opened to the truth, to the justice and to the compassion that you bring to our society. His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, the present head of the community, continues in his effort to unite people from all faiths and cultures by promoting interfaith dialogue and religious freedom. He has traveled extensively to spread the message of peace and to remind everyone to respect the rights of other human beings. During these tours, His Holiness has met world leaders from the Far East to Europe, from North America to Africa, discussing the economic, social and political problems facing the world today and how to create peace and justice in the world. He has also met religious and community leaders in order to share common values and core ideals universal to all religions and cultures with a view to improving the moral state of mankind and creating an atmosphere of love and affection. From young to old, he compassionately listens to the ordinary man, regardless of race, color or religion. He has personally initiated social projects and schemes to alleviate poverty and human suffering. His concern is not just about the well-being and moral state of the members of the Ahmadiyya community, but of the great human suffering of mankind at large. The Ahmadiyya community knows only that Islam, which is the Islam of love and affection, offers a real message of peace and security. It is a pleasure to be associated with an organization, with a religion that says love for all, hate for none. And I think if we reflect on that, really that is what we all ought to be doing in the world today. The Ahmadiyya movement in Islam has been a leader in promoting peace and partnership between communities. Established in 190 countries, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community continues to preach a message of peace and tolerance even in parts of the world that persecute them for their beliefs. But this should, ladies and gentlemen, come as a surprise to no one, to anyone who knows this community. Ahmadis are renowned throughout the world for their devotion to peace, universal brotherhood, and the will of God. 
the core principles of true Islam. Uh, all of us, whatever our political persuasions, hugely admire the work of um, the Ahmadiyya community here in the United Kingdom as we do across the world. And you are also a beacon because you teach all of us that we will find the solutions to the problems of today through a rediscovery of the spiritual side of our lives as well as the material side. Let us make a resolution. Let us make this resolution to promote the message of peace and brotherhood, which is your message to mankind, that people of different religions should not quarrel and fight with each other, but should accept and tolerate and live together in that spirit of brotherhood and peace, which is the essence of your religion. Assalamualaikum, may peace be with you. Welcome back to the Breakfast Show here at The Voice of Islam. Before the break, we were talking with some of our esteemed guest callers on the issue that is e-waste and, you know, the dramatic effects that it's having on, you know, humanity in general. Uh, but it's time that, that we present the uh, face of Islam uh, and see what Islam has to say on the matter. And I'm sure our listeners would have uh, been aware of, you know, the various uh, programs that we've conducted in the past, whereby we've talked about the importance that Islam lays on looking after the world. And there's so many quotes within the Holy Quran, so many references, which in fact instruct Muslims to make sure that they do in fact look after um, the, uh, the world that we've been given, and to make sure that... Um, you do not create disorder in it. And one such verse is in chapter 2, verse 206, in which Allah the Almighty states that, and when he is in authority, he runs about in the land to create disorder in it and destroys the tilith, the progeny of man, and Allah loves not disorder. Uh, this verse explains that by doing so, the good and wholesome provisions that Allah made lawful for man became harmful. And in a separate passage, he states, O ye who believe, make not unlawful the good things which Allah has made lawful for you, and do not transgress. Surely Allah does not uh, love the transgressors, and eat of that which Allah has provided for you, and what is lawful and good, and fear Allah in whom you believe. And so, in, in essence, the verse teaches a clear indication for the believers to protect the environment in which they live and it's clear that the more they pollute the environment the more things will be made unlawful um, for their consumption and this will become injurious and harmful for them and the Amdi Muslim community is very much so fortunate that we receive direct guidance from our spiritual head His Holiness the fifth caliph of the Amdi Muslim community Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed may Allah strength his hand and upon the 15th annual peace symposium, His Holiness stated, and I quote, Certainly striving to protect the environment and to look after our planet is an extremely precious and noble cause. And 
in a separate um, passage, um, he stated that if we are to leave behind a legacy of hope for our children and bequeath a peaceful world to our future generations, we, irrespective of our religion or beliefs, need to urgently change our priorities. So, his illness has most certainly expressed um, advocacy for taking care of our planet um, and stated it to be an extremely precious and noble cause. And upon the um, world leader uh, addresses a uh, final session of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community upon the 64th annual convention in the USA. His Holiness addressed um, the attendees and used his address to counsel about the dangers of consumerism and materialism. And he said that the global financial crisis had highlighted the superficial nature of material wealth. And he said it was essential to realize that wealth or means did not equate to any form of superiority because the Holy Quran had clearly stated that the best amongst mankind were those who were righteous. And His Holiness stated that material wealth or worldly status or owning a large house or an expensive car does not make anyone honorable in the sight of Allah. Thus, no one should ever feel pride at his worldly and material gains and should never think that he is deserving of more respect and honour than those who have less material wealth. We have all witnessed the results of the financial crisis it has struck the world over the past few years. Many people who are seemingly extremely wealthy have been forced into a life of hardship and bankruptcy. It's only stated in a separate uh, occasion True piety involves serving humanity, taking care of the impoverished, looking after orphans and doing other similar good deeds. Thus, when we construct a mosque, we do it with the hope and expectation that we will act upon the aforementioned teachings, where we will aim to fill mosques for the purpose of worship. There we also intend to conduct the tasks of serving humanity. So, in essence, what we find from the Islamic perspective will always be to serve others. And how best can we do that? We're in time getting to the current um, topic is by making sure that we reduce the amount of um, electronics that we you know, run through and go through. Um, and bearing in mind the overall carbon footprint that we will um, have on this planet of ours. And just to end on um, this sort of segment from the Islamic point of view you know it's in the Holy Quran in chapter in the last, in the last sort of chapter in Surah the Balad in the verses 14 and 17 we are in essence taught to raise our moral status um, and that is, that is by raising the suppressed and the oppressed and indeed the depressed sectors of our society into equal partnership in life. And as mentioned before, you know, it's helping those people that are impoverished, um, the orphans, the poor, and to, to help them to stand on their own two feet so that they also become equal members of society. And that sort of ties in with the um, 
um, electronic poverty, um, not having the access um, to the various devices that are available in this current day and age. So that is the Islamic perspective on how, you know, it's very much so all of our responsibilities as Muslims, for those of us that are Indian Muslims, um, to make sure that we do indeed um, look after the world in general and, you know, understand that the footprint that we do leave behind will have a dramatic effect on the generations to come. Um, I think it was... I forget who, Rishi Sunak actually in his first ever speech in the House of Parliament whereby he said some of the legislation that is brought in today won't really have much effect until up to 30, 40 years. So it's very much important that we look to the future, make sure that um, we have the next generation in mind so that they also can live um, a very healthy and indeed a wealthy life to come. And with that, we'll take a break and we'll uh, uh, introduce our next segment, which will be about the pandemic and the mental health, but after this very short break. Yusuf, on whom be peace, mentions God's favors by virtue of his attribute of Al-Latif, the benignant, by recalling how God was his friend, while his brothers conspired against him according to the lexicon. Latif is a kind of gracious being, one who is benevolent to his creation, as well as one who is aware of all subtle and incomprehensible matters. Al-Latif is one who illuminates hearts, who makes arrangements for physical and spiritual nourishment, and who offers his friendship to his servants during times of tribulation. The promised Messiah on whom be peace said that sight, intellect, and consciousness cannot reach God. It is impossible to try and see Him. He is Al-Latif, he is unseen and illuminates the person he reaches 
to such an extent that the person speaks for him, a divine honor mostly granted upon the prophets of God. God is the knower of all subtleties and is all aware. He is of those who seek him and raises prophets to be their guide to him. His light is manifested through his prophets as they spread the light of unity of God all around them. Among all the prophets of God, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, disseminated this light the most. For it was he who had the most perfect perception of God, and it was he who was completely imbued in the colors of God. In the current age, because of his perfect and complete devotion and subservience to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, God has granted this distinct honor to the promised Messiah, on whom be peace. It is the attribute of Al-Latif that makes God the friend of his servants in all trials and tribulations. Just as the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, continuously prayed for the reformation of his Ummah as well as his opponents, as only Al-Latif can be the guidance and reformation. Al-Latif is the supporter of the victim, the voice of the oppressed. Al-Latif is that companion whose loyalty never fails to astound. It is he who fills hearts with his magnificent light. Then should we not be grateful for the mercy of Al-Latif? Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. and blessings of Allah be upon you all. So this is the second segment. In the first segment, you are listening to uh, about uh, e-waste, and also you are listening to the, some of, some of our experts and their views. In this segment, we will discuss about um, uh, pandemic and mental health. So the gist of the story is the BBC commissioned a global poll to highlight the diverse impact of the pandemic on mental health. So the so BBC and an unexpected number of people questioned in 30 countries uh, report feeling better now in comparison to before COVID-19. The poll also suggested that the effect the pandemic had on well-being was more pronounced in women plus young people. 
The poll showed that 36% of people around the world said they felt better now than before the pandemic, while 27% said they felt worse. Many said that the pandemic helped them feel clear about their overall uh, priorities in life. Also, many other people have sent, uh, said that spending more time with family and having a better connection to their community and to nature all had a positive effect on their overall well-being. The online poll conducted on more than 29,000 people showed that people in Vietnam, India, Egypt and Nigeria uh, all of these countries are most likely to say that they felt better versus uh, those countries uh, in uh, those people who are in Japan, uh, South Korea, Hong Kong. They say that they um, their well-being. They said say that they it's opposite to this. Uh, so people in the UK who said uh, they felt worse than before the pandemic narrowly outnumbered those who f- said they felt better, while in the US it was the other way around. The Globe Scan findings show that the pandemic had a profound effect on the mental health of many people. Uh, uh, who spokesperson uh, said uh, the effect was not uniform but diverse and differed between population groups. In almost all of the countries surveyed, uh, women were most likely um, than men to report that the pandemic had a negative impact on their mental health. Um, Parents living with children under 18 were more likely than others to say their mental health was better than before the pandemic. But there were in, there were areas where, where men and women had much more in common, um, such as their increased sense of community and connectedness after the pandemic. Globally, a third of people surveyed say that they lost a close loved one during the pandemic, with 56% of them saying that the death was influenced a great, a great deal by COVID-19. However, some may argue that during the harsh lockdown, uh, regulations helped people come together and provide food and to support one another. Others believe that the pandemic has helped raise awareness of mental health, and especially in countries like Vietnam. In, uh, in a research of uh, Professor Andrew Oswald's he found that young people took the biggest well-being hit while the old were much less affected psychologically. In Globe Scans poll, uh, young people aged between 18 to 24 were much more likely to say that the pandemic had a major effect on their mental health, either positive or negative. Uh, older people uh, were most likely to say it had no effect at all. So this may suggest uh, varying attitudes to or awareness of mental health. A WHO spokesperson said um, the findings of the poll emphasized that further research was needed on the pandemic's impact on mental health among specific at-risk populations. Um, The spokesperson noted that outpatient mental health services 
um, had been particularly disrupted during the pandemic and that this had further widened the mental health treatment gap. Further studies should therefore focus on scaling up mental health services and psycho and psychosocial support as a fundamental component in preparedness and response plans for future public health emergencies. So, you know, people are going through a lot, um, especially in this uh, day and age during COVID-19. They have to face different sort of uh, mental mental health problems. Uh, You know, people are going through anxiety, depression, and uh, it's also affecting their, you know, uh, all around their environment. for example, uh, in the in the youth people uh, aged between 18 to 24 or the younger ones, you know, they are feeling more d- deprived as, you know, in COVID-19, they were not allowed to go outside, mingle with their friends, uh, speak to their friends. You know, that's the age when you want to go out and uh, um, you have the energy and uh, you want to mingle with other people, play sports and um, stuff like this. But they are—they were unable to uh, do such sort of things. And, uh, you know, these are the af- aftermaths which we are facing now and uh, that they are going through anxiety and depression. Moreover, you know, we have the social media uh, which is also impacting uh, on their health as well. And... There are many more factors involved um, in their health, uh, which has uh, has a negative uh, impact on their health. So, you know, we need to, as a nation, uh, uh, take such uh, precautions, such measures, which can help uh, uh, our younger ones. As you know, you have listened to the report that mostly the older ones, they are you know, sort of unaffected um, by the impacts of um, COVID-19 because, um, uh, you know, they have they have uh, been through a lot. They have, um, they know uh, what's been, uh, it's like in such sort of situations. The, you know, the younger ones, the youth, they were kind of in, um, in such dire state um, they are more vulnerable to um, such things uh, which are which we call you know mental health problems and uh, uh, that's why the uh, the older people need to support their younger ones uh, in such uh, state in such um, position which where we are standing standing now and you know uh, <clears throat> Firstly, depression is not something to be ashamed of. We need to understand this uh, while tackling this sort of you know situations. We need to understand that depression is not something to be ashamed of, and one should always feel um, comfortable uh, enough to talk about this uh, while tackling this. You can go to a therapist. Mm. You know, yes. Yeah, no, you're you're bang on. Um, depression is that one term which is thrown around quite frequently. And uh, it's very unfortunate that it is because, you know, in, in a lot of cases, or at least in some cases, that we can say, you know, it's a very um, 
very pertinent um, you know subject matter and you know in general all of the various other mental health issues which the pandemic has brought about you know um, has sort of highlighted the uh, the topic matter in in, in its um, significance um, whereas in the past perhaps or indeed you know at least it wasn't as spoken about um, or hadn't achieve the exposure and momentum that it so rightly deserved but as we progress and indeed as the pandemic brought about you know we've, we've talked about in the past in the program um, the various um, positive or at least uh, campaigns um, that the pandemic has um, introduced us to you know the overall altruistic um, attribute of people coming forward you know sacrificing their um, own well-being for the pleasure of others and you know people coming and having these discussions <coughs> about mental health and, and you know how it's affected them the the pandemic how that's affected their health so there's been a lot of dare i say um, um positives um to having the pandemic it's really brought about or at least it brought about the aspect of a coming togetherness you know community feel which perhaps was lacking perhaps you know before the pandemic it was just more um, individuals you know trying to look out for themselves um, and there was less of that community feel that used to be so prevalent within British society in general now I do believe that we have um, some pre-recordings um, which we can play for you yeah but before that I would like to you know give a reference of a book um, in a book called The Curious Muslim um, there a question was answered on how to tackle depression um, and um, that's something I would like to you know uh, mm. present you know, in that book while answering this question uh, how to tackle depression it says that firstly you need to you know depression is, is not something to be ashamed of and one should always feel uh, comfortable enough to uh, open up and talk about it it can range from being sad uh, due, to, due to the ups and downs of life um, to a serious medical illness that needs to be treated through professional help it can happen to anyone at, at any time and at any age it is very important to recognize that feelings of hopelessness, shame and suffering are all normal feelings. <clears throat> However, they should not take over our whole life and pre prevent us from living life to our fullest. There are several types of um, depression. So they have discussed, you know, different several types of discussion um, depressions as well. So they are like uh, major clinical depression, chronic depression, situational depression, bipolar, um, eight typical, um, and seasonal uh, affective disorder. So there are different sort of um, uh, depressions. Um, but the root cause is same uh, as we has discussed before that we don't need to be ashamed of and one should always feel comfortable enough to talk about and, uh, and go to a therapist or you know and there are more many more things like we can you know go out for a walk do our ex daily, daily exercise you know there are very many physical um, 
things which we can uh, do in order to reduce uh, the side effects of uh, uh, depression and uh, the aftermaths of uh, the covid-19 and uh, its uh, impacts on uh, on a society as a whole so while uh, so as we are discuss uh, discussing about the answer which uh, the book has given regarding tackling depression so further going so it says that first action you can take to aid your depression is to um um to aid your depression is to seek professional help from a family doctor or a psychiatrist they may suggest a treatment method including taking pills like antidepressants the effectiveness of uh, taking pills is still being questioned uh, questioned by many experts hence you should first give precedence to those kinds of treatments that do not involve taking pills uh, these treatments may include making lifestyle changes uh, such as diet and um, exercise as i have uh, discussed before you know so such changing such as diet and exercise or going for counseling or therapy uh, so that you can decide the best course of action for yourself uh, in addition to medical intervention a spiritual approach uh, you know can also be an aid in your ailment in this time uh, but uh, we will discuss about you know uh, sp- the spirituality and islamic perspective um, later but before going to this we will you know listen to one of the clips regarding um, depression assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh pyare huzur wa alaikum dear beloved huzur due to covid-19 there has been an increase in various mental health issues especially in students What advice would you give to AMD youth to help them cope with such issues? Acha have you any statistics have you collected any data there are how many students and how many of them have suffered mental health issue because of covid uh, no hazir then what is what is the basis of your question Uh, although although although, although uh, what is the basis of it it is generally said that cause of the mental health issues among students one of the causes is covid because uh, they are uh, not going outside they are not allowed to um, involve in their activities in studies and other extracurricular activities sports and this and that but for an amadi student you must remember as allah taala says i have been answering this question on so many occasions allah taala says allah bi zikrillah tatmainul qulub right that it is allah's the remembrance of allah if you remember allah then it will give you comfort to your heart it will give comfort to your heart so an ahmadi student during these days should bow before allah he should pray his five daily prayers more fervently fervently than before he should try to do the tilawat of the holy quran and seek guidance from the holy quran 
find out the things, the commandments of Allah Ta'ala, where Allah Ta'ala has given us how to give comfort to your heart. What are your, the purpose of your life? So if you know the purpose of your life, these things will not affect you, although it is a natural result of it that some people will suffer, but not majority. So this is how we have to find out the ways how can we cope with this situation. The, the, the best way is the remembrance of Allah. Have you listened to my address to Lajna Imaillah? Right? I also mentioned there that how can you give comfort to your heart and then avoid such, such things. So those, are, those who are involved in worldly things, naturally and obviously they will suffer from the health issues, mental health issues, because they have frustrations. Their, their priorities are different. So this is why they suffer. If your priority is to seek nearness of Allah Ta'ala, to get closer to Allah Ta'ala, then at least I can say 95% of your the frustration will be removed. Voice of Islam Radio. Assalamu may peace be with you and welcome back to the Breakfast Show here at the Voice of Islam. Before the break, we were talking about the key issue that is mental health and indeed how it ties into the pandemic. But it's time that we do present the Islamic perspective and we have done so on various occasions. But because this topic and this segment indeed is so important um, and pertinent to the current times that we live in, it's very much so. Uh, incumbent upon us that we continuously reiterate the message. Um, the message really, it's it all really bounces um, around the one verse that we find within the Holy Quran, out, out of the various verses, whereby we find, and we were also just listening to His Holiness, in fact, um, emphasizing on this on this verse, whereby Allah the Almighty states that the hearts do indeed find comfort within the remembrance of Allah the Almighty. And this one verse really it hones in on the importance that Islam lays upon supplications and indeed uh, prayers. 
um, whereby we turn to Allah the Almighty in difficult times, in times of uncertainty, instability, and indeed overall um, insecurity. And having this opportunity um, whereby we believe uh, the God of Islam to be a God which listens and indeed answers the prayers of the believers is very much so um, to our benefit as Muslims. And what we find here is that through sincere prayer, we can most certainly gain the blessings of Allah the Almighty and indeed attain spiritual and physical well-being. The promised Messiah, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, peace be upon him, has taught us that even in such circumstances as we are currently facing, it's paramount um, that we seek the repentance of Allah to purify our hearts and busy ourselves in good deeds. Allah the Almighty has made prayers a great tool for us to utilize and we should seek to come into the shelter of Allah through them. And the chapter which I, or the, rather the verse which I referred to earlier on, whereby you know, um, to those who believe uh, the hearts find comfort in the remembrance of Allah is referenced in chapter 13 verse 29. And in, in a separate part of the Holy Quran, in chapter 2, verse 46, we find that to seek help with patience and prayer. And this indeed is hard except for the humble in spirit. And patience and trust in Allah as a fundamental concept, Allah the Almighty states in a separate part, and put thy trust in Allah, and Allah is sufficient as a guardian. Um, Apologies for the background noise. There is some construction work happening within the mosque. So we'll take a break and after the break we'll continue with this segment. Voice of Islam Radio. The Promised Messiah, peace be on him, founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Islam, states Sin, which indeed is a poison, is born when a man is wanting in obedience to God and is empty of his love and his affectionate remembrance. The fate of a man whose heart has become cold to the love of God is like that of an uprooted tree no longer capable of drawing the sap of life from the soil. As such, a tree gradually withers and dies. So like the dryness of the tree, sin overwhelms the heart. The remedy for this state of dryness, according to the law of nature, is of three types. Number one, love. Number two, istighfar. 
that is, seeking forgiveness of Allah. It literally means a desire to bury or to cover, reminding one that as long as the root of the tree is buried in the soil, it can hope to bring forth green foliage. Number three, the third remedy is toba, which means to turn towards God in all humility, drawing the sap of life and to bring oneself closer to Him, to break loose with the help of righteous deeds from the enveloping cover of sinfulness. Tawbah cannot be achieved merely by word of mouth. In fact, Tawbah can be perfected only with the help of righteous deeds. All acts of goodness are aimed at achieving perfection of Tawbah. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Asalaamu Alaikum, may peace be with you. Welcome back to the Breakfast Show here at the Voice of Islam. Um, just before the break, we were talking about the Islamic point of view uh, when it comes to mental health and indeed, um, you know, how that and the pandemic had uh, tied together. And so we were referring to. The various verses within the early Quran, um, one of the key verses being in chapter 13, verse 29, whereby Allah the Almighty states that hearts find comfort in the remembrance of Allah. And in a separate passage, we find in chapter 2, verse 46, Allah the Almighty stated, And seek help with patience and prayer. And this indeed is hard except for the humble in spirit. And so patience and trust in Allah um, are a fundamental concept you know, in another part of the Holy Quran, we find stated, and put thy trust in Allah, and Allah is sufficient as a guardian. Chapter 33, verse 4. So, in essence, you know, as believers, as Muslims, our primary sort of go to is the Almighty. Um, you know, as previously stated by His Holiness in the audio clip that we listened to, you know, we have been encouraged to turn to Him um, in hardship and also in ease. You know, sometimes we forget, you know, to be grateful of the things that we have. And that's also actually a point which psychiatrists and experts mention, you know, to count our blessings. You know, be um, thankful for the things that we have and indeed count them, literally count them, so that we um, are aware of, you know, the, the positive things that are parts of our lives. So, going back to the Islamic points, um, you know, in another... Uh, passage in chapter 39 verse 54 it stated say O my servants who have transgressed against themselves by sinning do not despair of the mercy of Allah indeed Allah forgives all sins indeed it is he who is the forgiving and merciful and that's also you know a very beautiful aspect that Islam promotes and teaches the element of being forgiven um, you know having that merciful that gracious, the merciful God, the God of Islam is one which doesn't and isn't ready to persecute us upon our smallest shortcomings rather. You know, we have the opportunity to seek his forgiveness, um, albeit that the repentance should be true repentance. And uh, in a question and answer session with the head of the Ahmadi Muslim community, 
um, at the time. A member asked that mental health issues have been linked to the weakness of faith. And His Holiness, His Holiness immediately refuted this notion and maintained that mental health has not, nothing to do with the weakness of faith. And ensuring that awareness is raised and dialogue is open regarding this. And I think we also have an audio clip for this um, uh, question and answer session which will um, play for you if we do. If we don't, that's not an issue because the important part here is that you know the concept is that some of some of the ethnic minorities and these various religions um, don't really acknowledge um, the issue that is mental health, and you know we'll find the various uh, caliphs of the Ahmadi Muslim community who have openly um, talked about uh, mental health and how you know to negate its um, negativity and how we can actually overcome the various hurdles that mental health um, um, presents before us. Um, Imam Daniel, in um, in your experience, um, you know what would you say um, that mental health is? Uh, you know, from an Islamic point of view, how how over, how overreaching, especially during the pandemic, has it um, you know affected the Muslims around the world? Um, because this is also important to know that during um, the pandemic we weren't allowed to really go to mosques um, you know, <coughs> gatherings were banned and um, gatherings are a huge opportunity to really you know, socialise, socialise being a key element to sort of negate the effects of mental health so what was the approach of the Muslims then um, during those two difficult years? Yeah first of all very beautifully explained the Islamic teachings um, uh, I think in in uh, in uh, in general, the Muslims are much affected uh, in pandemic. I think it's um, it's because of the teachings of Islam, uh, which uh, it gives us to, and uh, it gives us a faith and uh, belief that, as Allah Almighty states in the Holy Quran, that uh, with every difficulty there's a relief. You know. Yeah, that's such a profound statement that um, with every difficulty there is a relief and because you know so that's why during pandemic uh, the um, the Muslims which have to who have to go through pandemic uh, they are in my in uh, you know experience they aren't much um, affected uh, throughout the pandemic and um, certainly, as you have said before, as Allah the Almighty stated in the Holy Quran, that uh, certainly in the remembrance of Allah, um, do hearts find peace. And so, yeah, um, uh, you know, while um, surviving, while thriving, or striving for the best in 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 society, uh, we need to keep uh, put our trust in Allah the Almighty first. That's how we can tackle depression, uh, you know, because um, um, we are weak. Um, uh, certainly, uh, we have faults in ourselves, and um, uh, sometimes we kind of sort of lose hope um, in our day-to-day and daily life. And uh, in such um, dire situations where we are feeling low. We need uh, to put our trust in uh, such a deity, you know, which is omnipotent and uh, which can uh, 
you know solve our issues our our difficulties can uh, so that we can get rid of uh, such situations which are you know uh, putting burden such burden on on us that we can't bear yeah so there are many other verses in the holy quran which you know sort of give, give us the guidance um, in regards to depression and uh, its effect like you know allah the almighty states in the holy quran that never give up hope of allah's soothing allah's soothing mercy truly no one despairs of allah's soothing mercy except those who have no faith so firstly you know you need to know that you need to be a believer believer in uh, of uh, in 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 your faith in allah the almighty in the deity of allah the almighty and that that's how you can tackle through um, you know the state of depression anxiety and uh, likewise um, in other place allah the mighty states and for those who fear allah and prepares a way out he provides for him from sources he could never imagine and if anyone puts uh, his trust in allah allah is sufficient uh, for him for allah will surely accomplish his purpose verily for all things allah has appointed a due proportion yeah so in essence you know we need to look for such things um uh, which can help us uh, phys- both physically and spiritually and uh, or we have already discussed before what physical actions or precautions we need to take uh, in regards to tackle um the effects of negative impacts of um, anxiety or depression and um, in regards to spirituality uh, we need to put our trust firstly most um, um uh, firstly we need to put our trust in allah the almighty secondly you know uh, as allah the almighty has instructed us to you know do five daily prayers and through five daily prayers we can remember allah as allah the almighty has said before uh, in the holy quran as we have uh, told before that in the remembrance of allah do hearts find um uh, you know peace and solace and by performing uh, uh, the five daily prayers and uh, while uh, we are instructed to perform in such a way that we should be performing this in congregation by going to the mosque and when we go to the mosque we pray we meet different people and while meeting different people we discuss you know sort of uh, issues between us and uh, try to help our brothers and uh, that's how you know uh, such a such a we uh, the, um such a society uh, we're trying to uh, make such a society we where we can you know uh, sort of uh, um help others become the aid for others and uh, that's how we, you know we can tackle um the the, the state of uh, depression and anxiety and now we are going towards the uh, end of this segment and uh, um hopefully you haven't <laughs> no certainly um yeah it's a very pertinent point there um 
and uh, you know it's been an absolute pleasure to be pre- presenting the program um, for some other reason or my presenter had the giggles there god knows why but nonetheless um, it's very it's, you know it's, it is a very serious uh, matter of mental health and indeed um, the other segment we, we, we talked about the e-waste um, how we can uh, make sure that we negate our waste and our uh, footprint on this planet and um, you know our prayer is that you know all these issues that are so prevalent in this current day and age do swiftly um, go away um, as swiftly as they came um, and that is our most sincere prayer but with that dearest listeners we do bring our program to a swift end uh, thank you so much for being with us from 7am <coughs> to 9 o'clock a huge thanks to my presenters uh, brother Daniel and again uh, uh, brother Daniel so I'm pleasure of two Daniels. Um, a huge thanks to our research team, producer Simba Brahman, um, research uh, Wajiha Harum, and brother Tahir in the tech department. And um, yeah, so we'll see you guys next Monday at the same time, 7 to 9. Until then, Assalamu Alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day, 